You are listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderland, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. You know, we are wrapping up 1 Samuel this week, and we've been in it for quite a little while. I didn't look back to see how long, but uh, our whole theme of the book of 1 Samuel has been living faith. And I can't think of another book that just so pragmatically talks about so many just regular, normal, average people who are being challenged in their faith to, that it's not just something that's spiritual, religious in their life, but to make it something that's just pragmatic, day in and day out, 24-7, and all of the regular things of life. We started in early with Hannah and, and, uh, and, and wanting to have a child, and we saw about Samuel, and we learned about Eli, and how his sons were not people of faith, and were not obedient to God in the middle of that. And we walked through the, the people of Israel and how they tried to solve their need, and they wanted to be like everybody else. And so they cried out for a king, and God said, look, you really don't don't want a king. You're just throwing me aside. And they were not living in faith. And Saul, how he struggled to really be a person of faith, to really put God first. And you heard, we heard last week, I wasn't here. Actually, I was supposed to preach in Massachusetts, but I was sick too and had to have a sub as well. And, uh, and so, but you heard last week about how Saul is hearing that he is about to die, that the war is brewing and the Philistines have had enough and kind of they're, you know, the, they're rattling their swords and coming and, and God makes it clear to Saul that you're a dead man. You are gone. In fact, today we'll see that Saul and his sons both die in this process and it's kind of the final piece for David to then to begin stepping in as king. And so all throughout the book of Samuel are people like you and me living life and facing the realities of making our faith not just something that we believe in spiritually or religiously, but something that we believe in God and we trust Him for our salvation of our soul, but then it plays out every day in every area of our life. So we're going to talk about this morning about what it means to be strong in the Lord, that God calls us, that part of our faith is to be strong in Him, that we rely on Him and not on ourselves. So read with me, if you will, in, in chapter 30 of 1 Samuel. So the Philistines have gathered. They're mustering their troops, and they're rallying, and they're, they're going as a showdown with Saul. And David is being called in to go fight against Saul. He's living with the king of, of Gath, um, the, the leader amongst the Philistines, and he's facing a moral dilemma. But we're going to see that David is now not just threatened by Saul, but by the end of the, the, the story here, his own men want to kill him. So read with me, if you will, in chapter 30. So David, David goes, and, he, and the king of Gath is ready for David to fight against Saul. He thought, who's better? Who's better to come fight with me against Saul than, than Saul's arch enemy, David? But, but uh, the leader of, of, of Gath's men said, what are you, crazy? This is the guy that killed us. He killed Goliath and everybody else. And they said, no, he needs to go home. So David and his men go back home to this, the town of Ziklag, and here's what they find in verse 1. The Bible says this, now, when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day, they had been gone, mustered with Philistines, they got sent home. The Amalekites had made a raid against the Negeb and against Ziklag. They had overcome Ziklag and burned it with fire. All the soldiers, all the men of war were gone. They were gone off to muster with the Philistines, so they were vulnerable. And the, the Amalekites came and easily won the day. So they came to Ziklag and they burned it with fire. 
In verse 2, and they had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both small and great. So the kids, the women, everybody. They killed no one, but carried them off and went their way. And David, when David and his men came to the city, they found it burned with fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. Now, can you imagine for a moment, you're coming home and you see the smoke coming, you know, all the buildings were burned. And can you imagine the emotion of looking for bodies throughout, going into your homes and seeing what had happened and wondered that they put all of the people here and kill them? I mean, just can you imagine walking through that and just the gripping pain and the, the, the just overwhelming grief and just the shock of all of that? That's what David and all of these, there were 600 men coming with him, returning home and seeing just everything just devastated. In verse 4, then David and the people who were with him raised their voices and they wept until they had no more strength to weep. They cried and they bawled and they just they didn't eat and they were exhausted from the days of travel and coming back in and they were just absolutely wiped out. You and I would have done the exact same thing. Just unbelievably overwhelming. I mean, the picture of what David has gone through in his life. I mean, he did not ask to be king. God made him king. And because of it, he becomes public enemy number one. And every day, wondering if today's the day, Saul's going to finally catch up to me and kill me. And he's having to live with the enemies of Israel all along. I mean, just the pressure cooker that he was in that we've walked through the last several weeks with that. And then now, he's trying to follow God and, as it were, you know, kind of keep his nose clean. And another enemy comes and takes all of their families, all of the, the wives, everyone are gone. Just unbelievable grief and pressure. Just kind of a crescendo of that, if you will. David's two wives also had been taken captive. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. And I presume that they recognize that, well, we didn't find the, any bodies, so they must have just been taken in the thoughts in their mind of what was happening, you know, the ravages of war to their, to their wives and to the children in the middle of that. And the Bible says that David was greatly distressed. And this goes to another level form, for the people spoke of stoning him because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. You know, it's human nature when things go bad for us to ask why, right? We want to find somebody to blame, and it's natural for us to, you know, look to a leader. It's kind of human nature. We all we've we've all done it at work, right? Blame the leader. You know, we do it. Can do it in our families. We can do it in government. We just we we do it always, and that's what they were doing. Even though David wasn't responsible, it wasn't his fault. But they wanted their grief had turned to anger and resentment, and they wanted answers. They wanted solutions, and they were thinking that. We need to stone David. He's the leader of this outfit. This is on him. He's responsible to take care of us. And you can imagine David's grief going into just dismay. Oh my goodness, what in the world? What do I do? But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. That phrase caught my attention and we're going to talk about what it means to be strong in the Lord when the chips are down, and I mean down, <laughs> you don't have any chips. David's got nothing. 
I mean, he is kind of back to square one where even the men around him were ready to kill him at this point. Doesn't have really a friend in the world, anyone around him. But he does something that's very wise, that's hard for all of us to do, is rather than being paralyzed in grief and wallowing and, and dealing with all of that, he turned to God and he didn't just ask for God to strengthen him, but he strengthened himself in the Lord. And that's what I want us to talk about today. In fact, he strengthens himself in God. We're going to talk about what that means and how he did that. And then, the rest of the story, I won't read it, he then inquires of God. He bring, asks for the priest to come, and he says, ask me, should I go and pursue these people? And I don't know what was in his mind, because he didn't know if they didn't kill him later on, if they'd sold him off as slaves, what's going on? I mean, just... You and I would be thinking the worst-case scenario, would we not? We'd be thinking, this is horrible, horrible. But he said, should I pursue them? I'm not sure what he was hoping to find, you know, but God said, pursue them, and you will absolutely rescue them. So David goes from distress to strengthening in God to asking God what he should do and to action, and the Bible says that they recovered everyone. Not a single person was lost. In fact, not a single thing, none of the spoils of war, all of their, the animals that they had taken, all of the money, all of that, 100% of it was recovered completely. They went from complete loss to total recovery. And so strengthening ourselves in the Lord is so critical in our lives. I want you to notice, though, the first thing I want you to notice is that strengthening comes before guidance. When the things hit us in our life, we tend to soak it in, we tend to take it in, we take the hit and it hits us, whether it be grief, whether it be fear, whether it be worry, whether it be like, I don't know what to do. When all of those things happen, it tends to paralyze us and we tend to kind of sit down and soak it up and, and, and take it in. And, and we can stay there and sometimes we get paralyzed because it's so overwhelming, we don't know what to do. I, I am still amazed that David was able to take all of that and listening to the rumblings of his men saying, well, we need to do something and we should stone David because this is all on him. And David, rather than saying, you know, hey, guys, just, you know, we don't get the picture that he argued with them. I don't know what he did. I'm, I imagine he spoke up. But he took all of that and he turned to God to encourage his own heart and strengthen the Lord. And he didn't figure out what he should do until he got his mind and heart right. Have you ever watched a video or seen, or maybe with a kid, you know, I once knew a kid that had a cat when he was younger, and he held the cat upside down, and he, you know, dropped the cat to see what would happen. You know, it might have been me. It might not have been me. You know, I'm just saying. But... You know, cats always land on your feet. I heard it as a kid, and we're like, well, I want to see this work, you know, and it goes so fast you can't hardly tell it. But if you watch, go home and do a little YouTube search. If you watch, it's amazing. A cat will always land on their feet. But if you watch carefully, the first thing they always do is flip their head. They get their head spun around right, and then they bring the rest of their body around. In fact, I watched another video. I'm not psychotic, all right? But I watched another video like how animals handle weightlessness. The dog was kind of chill. He was just kind of floating around. The frog kind of freaked out because, you know, there's nothing to jump against. And the cat, when I watched it, different than all of them, it kept trying to spin its head like it was just kind of doing flips, but it didn't know what to do. You see, when the things hit us, we got to get our head right. 
And the way that we get our head right is we got to be strengthened in our heart before the Lord. And we tend to want to take action. We tend to want to jump. We tend to want to do something. And, and instead, what, what David does is he, he takes a responsibility in his life and his heart. And the Bible is so true. I mean, it is literally true in every word from the breath of God. And God is careful how He has written it, that you can rely on it and lean into the nuances and the specific things of it, the specific if you will, of it. And the Bible doesn't say that God strengthened his heart or that David was strengthened. The Bible says that David strengthened himself. He did something to strengthen his heart in the Lord. And so when those things hit us, we should take the first step in our life. Shouldn't be just, what do I do? How do I handle this? Where do I go? What do we do next? And kind of run around. Instead, it should be a settling of ourselves, just saying, whoa, I am weak and I am wobbly right now and I've taken a blow. I've gotten, you know, gut punched, but I need to turn and be strengthened first in my heart to God. The strengthening comes before we get guidance about what to do. In fact, if you try to do something when those things hit, before you've been strengthened in the Lord, you're going to be acting in your own strength and you're going to be finding your own direction and your own path and I promise you, you will mess up big time. You will make mistakes. You are not going to be ready and prepared to face that which you are facing. So our strength comes from God. And then when we hear from God, we know what we should do. That's the second thing is, is that, that strengthening our heart, ourselves in the Lord, comes before we get direction. And then direction comes before Action. Well, Sean, that's kind of simplistic and that kind of is obvious. It makes sense. Yeah, it is. But how often do we follow that? <laughs> how often do we follow common sense? How often do we ignore that along the way? In fact, the strengthening of your heart is important because you really don't turn and ask advice from somebody that you don't trust, do you? When you need help, you don't turn to get help from people that you don't think are helpful. I mean, I know that's kind of obvious, but think about this. In that moment, if you take a hit and you don't know what to do and you're not finding your strength in the Lord and your heart is not turning upward in Him, then the things that you turn to are going to be everything other than God and you're going to mess up. You're going to put your trust in something else, in someone else. And so the strengthening part is really you kind of getting dialed back in to where you were supposed to be in the first place is like, God, all I've got is you, and I'm going to trust you for what we should do next, if anything, and I'm going to trust you for the actions that I need to take afterwards. And so, folks, we need to be strong in our heart first before the Lord. Well, how do we, how do, we do that? Well, we don't strengthen ourselves in ourself, right? How do we be strong in the Lord? It really starts by you and I refusing to rely upon ourselves. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, when those things hit us that we can't stand, that bring fear and worry and doubt and confusion and struggle in life and it's not always bad. There might be some good things. Should I take this job or not? I don't know what, what I should do. Sometimes it's, oh my goodness, this happened. What do I do? But all of those things. The fact that we're facing that challenge, that confusion, that struggle, that hardship, means that you and I are not in control. 
Because if we were, we wouldn't have let that happen, or we would have just taken care of it. It means we're not smart enough to understand what we should be doing. It means we're not powerful enough to handle a situation. And it means that the thing is beyond us. And so because of it, we are confused. We are worried. We are struggling. We are afraid. We are hurting in the middle of that. And so when you and I are in that spot, trying to double down in self-empowerment, doesn't really work very well. I know that's kind of opposite of the culture around us. It's like, you can do this, you know, be strong. You got this. You can handle it and be tough. And, and I just, you know, guys, there's a limit to our toughness. To be honest with you, as people, we're really not that tough. We're kind of more cream puffish than not, even when we think we are. Like, you know, you can kind of double down all you want, but... I don't know how you recover in the middle of that when your family has been taken. I, I've never lived under the stresses that David did where there was a sentence of death on my life running from here and there, and I couldn't be with like my parents, and I had to put them on a safe house because I couldn't even be around them because if I was around them, they would be killed. And then, now, oh, my goodness, somebody else is after me and captured my wife. So I'm like, you and I don't live like that. that. I would be a cream puff in that world, and I think you would too. All of us. There's no training that takes care of that. In fact, when David and his men go after them, the Bible says they fought them they, from, uh, from basically sunset from the dusk and then all the way through the evening of the next day. And none of them escaped except 400. You know what's crazy? I don't, we don't know how many captured them, but David only had 400 with him total. They went up against thousands of people and they won completely the day. You and I would have been like, how can we overcome these odds? How do we have any chance of any hope? And so we don't trust in ourselves. We, you know, there is a case in which you and I are struggling and we have the fears and the anxieties and the worries and all of that. And it's good to take a step back and it's good to reflect. But you're only going to get so much looking at a sunset. You're only going to get so much putting on your favorite calming music. You're only going to get so much out of eating a chocolate candy bar. You're only going to get so much out of, you know, going and doing something else in your life. And, and so we have to, in turn, those things aren't necessarily bad. Like there is a level of self-care that we should do. But our self-care should always draw us to God. It should always cause us to turn our hearts, hearts toward God and not just kind of rely on ourselves or rely on just that little moment. David didn't say, hey guys, can I get a timeout? I know you're ready to kill me, but I'm having a really bad day. Can I just check in and have a spa day today? You know, can we just, you know, just guys, I need, I need to meditate a little bit because this is just getting really a lot of negativity is getting to me, you know, and I'm just, I mean... You know, the stuff that the world's telling us to do to make ourselves feel better and take care of stress, like, yeah, it might work for a little bit, but it's not life-changing and, you know, situation-changing. And maybe it is good. Maybe you're somebody that's like, you know what, I do need to listen to some music, and maybe I do need to kind of calm myself. But whatever you do, those things should be an avenue toward God, not relying on you, not strengthening yourself, not even strengthening yourself with other people or other things. I mean, God might send you somebody to encourage you, to give you some wisdom and direction, but we got to be careful to what we rely upon in our life. Do you hear a couple of weeks ago or a week or two ago, a couple of guys went ice fishing, 
uh, over near Cooperstown. And if you're not a nice fisherman, I mean, like, we all know winters really are a little bit warm, but, like, usually, I can remember people were ice fishing, like, before Christmas time, like, not long after Thanksgiving. And just last year, it was, ice didn't get very solid and thick. And really, to be kind of safe walking on ice, like, kind of like four inches is what's recommended. Well, these two, two guys, and they were in their mid-40s, which doesn't mean anything, except they ought to know better, I think. The two brothers went out ice fishing, and they had like an inch of ice. And they both went in over by Cooperstown, and only one survived. They're just horrible. No fishing is worth that, right? They relied on something that they thought they could trust. And the problem is, is that you and I, if we're not careful, we rely on thin ice and all of those tricks and all of those techniques, and we can rely on other things. And they're, and they're not... There's like smoke. They just evaporate and they disappear. And instead, what we need to do is what David did, that he strengthened himself in the Lord his God. So how, what does that mean, Sean? How do we do that? Well, the, the, the key is right in it. That he strengthened, he found courage. It means to be made stronger in the Lord his God. He strengthened himself and not just God, the Bible doesn't just say God or the Lord, but it uses a specific word that it, whenever you see the word Lord in the Old Testament, and it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, if you have your Bible or it's on the screen, whenever you see that, it's the same word that God gave to Moses when he introduced himself at the burning bush. It means the I am. What God is, the Bible's telling us is that David didn't refer didn't encourage and kind of strengthen his heart in God, but he strengthened his heart in the one true God, the I Am, the one who is infinite and all-powerful, all-existing, the one who created the world out of just the mere speaking of his voice, the one who separated and parted the Red Sea, the one who flooded this whole world by his own actions, the one who is sovereign and in control over everything. And David stepped back and said, wait a minute, yo, time out. God, I am turning my heart toward you. And I see all that's going on, and Lord, I don't know what to do, but God, you are the great, all-powerful, all-knowing, almighty God. And the only strength I got is in you. So when you and I need to be strong, we don't be strong in ourselves. We're not strong in somebody else. We find our strength in the Lord. And we find our strength by remembering who He is. You see, the weakness and the fear and the worry and all of that and all of those things get bigger and bigger when God gets smaller and smaller in our mind. And we're not thinking about Him. And so when you and I are wobbly and we're facing any of those kinds of things or confusion or needing direction, we need to, in our own mind and heart, to kind of stir up our, our faith, stir up our heart and remembering exactly who God is. That really should be something that's a part of our daily life as we're praying and listening to Him and, and being with Him and that God needs to be forefront of our mind of His majesty and His greatness. And we especially need that because when you and I don't have that in our mind, we're trying to be strong ourselves. We're trying to muck it up and handle it. And we can't. And instead, we need to remember the greatness and power of God. And well, Sean, I try that. And it's hard. I know it is. It's hard for me too. But I want us to notice that it's 
It's a choice. <coughs> you see, David had a choice of how he responded in the middle of that. And he chose to find his strength in the Lord and not find strength in his own wits, not find strength in his own, what he could figure out and accomplish and do. But he made a choice in his heart to say, God, I am not strong, but God, you are. And I'm going to remember and focus on you. It's not that you and I, when we get in those situations and the worst ones, we feel, don't you feel helpless? Can't change anything. It's like, what do I do? I can't do anything. David's like, I don't know what to do. You see, that's when we go to God and say, God, and we admit that. God, I'm clueless. God, I need help. God, I'm scared. God, I'm filling the blank. But God, would you help me to find my strength in you? There's really not in reality a mathematical formula, but maybe to help us with it, you come the 1%, the 0.1% toward God and take that little step and God comes the 99.9% .9 the rest of the way and He becomes your strength for you. See, it's not you trying to well up your own strength and put on a good face and buck all of that up. Instead, it's you finding the courage in Him, in His courage, and in all of that. Instead, what happens is you and I usually ask the question, why? And we've talked about some of that in the past. I won't go too far down the road. But think a bit with me how David could have gotten stuck at the why question. God, why? God, all of this time, these last years, you protected me from Saul. Saul's far more powerful than the Amalekites. And God, you took care of me and you allowed this army of mine to grow. Why now, all of a sudden, God... Are you letting this happen? And why now, God, is it these men? Before it was just me, and now they're the ones you know, facing this. Why? Be careful, because when you and I ask the why question, it keeps us paralyzed, and we don't find strength in the Lord. When you and I are asking whys deeply, it's not that it's wrong, and there can be an okay time for that, but be careful, because... I don't see in Scripture very often where God tells the answer to that question. Do you? I don't see it. And in my own life, God usually doesn't tell me that. Oh, I might later on think I understand why. You know, maybe there's a little bit of why here that we could think about. Well, David, maybe he was getting a little rusty. He wasn't having to step out in faith. You know, God kind of needed to allow something bad to happen. Maybe the other men needed to realize that this was an opportunity that David went and won the day, and they're like, wow, we got all our stuff back. You know, maybe God was strengthening him. Maybe he was preparing him more. Yeah, that all might be right, and all of it might be wrong. We don't know because we're trying to speculate and understand the mind of God, and that is always a dangerous thing. What we do know is what God tells us here. What we don't know beyond all of that is our own thoughts, and so be careful you and I will never understand all of the whys. We don't, we don't get it. We're not going to. And if we go too far down that road, we're trying to take God's place, and we're kind of forcing God to fit our little box and our little objectives. And God's like, I'm not going to do that. And when you're doing that, you're not trusting God, and you're not strengthening yourself in the Lord. Instead, it actually isolates you from God. God's kind of out there, and you're like, why, God? I don't think this should be happening. You're kind of kind of jostling in with God, 
Instead, we should be running to him and saying, God, I don't understand, and this hurts. That's okay. It's okay to say, God, why would you let this? I don't understand, but God, it's okay. But you find your strength in him so you don't get stuck in the why. And instead, you remember who he is. That's critical. So you, you make a choice to be strong in the Lord. You don't ask the why question too deeply. You don't get stuck there. You remember who He is and refresh yourself in that and look at Scripture, whether it's a a worship songs that you need, whether it's reading some Scripture, whatever you need to do. Maybe it's remembering what God has done in the past in the Bible. You know, when David met Goliath, he walked out to Goliath and he said, you come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin. But I come to you in the Lord of hosts, in the name of the Lord of hosts, of the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. He was vulnerable. He found strength. He was facing the man that was so much taller than him, so much more experienced in war than him, that had all of the best technology, all of the best weaponry, all of the armor. Had even someone in front of him to carry his armor. And David's out there with just his little, you know, shepherd's staff and his little, you know, five stones and a slingshot. And he said, God is going to take care of me. And God is going to deliver me. He found his strength in God in the middle of all of that. And so you and I make a choice to remember the God that we serve and the God with whom that oversees our life and the God that that is in charge of the world. But then it's not just that. There's a second piece of it is, is we remember not just who God is, but we remember our relationship to Him. That's what the Bible says very specifically and carefully. There's given us some clues here. When you and I struggle, we need to remember who God is or remember what He's done in the past, remember all that He's represented, remember what He's done in Scripture and what He did in all these people's lives, and remember what He's done in our life, and then we remember our relationship to Him. You see, David was strengthened himself in the Lord, and here's the key word, His God. Not somebody else's God, but His God. David remembered, and he renewed himself in his relationship with God. God, you're not just a God who's out there. You're not just the God who spoke this world in existence. You're not just the God that saved Israel out of Egypt. You're just not just the God that, that controls and runs over everything. You're not just the God that protected me even with, around these mountains. But God, you are my God. And I serve you, and I belong to you, and I am your child, and you love me. You see, we struggle with that when the things hit us because somehow in the middle we think, well, God doesn't love us very much right now, and God's kind of like falling down on his job because if he wasn't, this wouldn't be happening to me. Like, why should I be having to go through this? God's somehow kind of like, God, you've kind of gone from like an A-plus God to kind of like B-minus. Like, maybe even a C. Like, you're kind of slipping because I really don't want to be going through this right now, God. And what's happening is, is we're forgetting exactly who God is, and we're forgetting our place with Him, or really His place with us. You see, when, when we surrender our life to the Lord Jesus, and we realize our sin, and that we are helpless without Him, that we will pay the penalty of our sin forever and eternity, because we are responsible for the wrongs that we've done. And when we, as it were, cast ourselves to the feet of Jesus and realize that He died for our sins, 
And that it's only through Him that we can be saved and forgiven. There is a yielding in our heart and a trusting of our soul to God in His Son, Jesus, that His blood covers our sin because He paid the penalty for our sin. And in that, He adopts us into His family. And He's lavished on us all the love in the world. You see, God's love, it's not that God has this love like some piece of pie and He's like slicing it in middle of slices and you get a little sliver and you get a little sliver, you get a little sliver. That's what we do at Thanksgiving, right? You know, like, okay... You know, if it's me, I'm like, I want that big honking piece. You know, I want all of that big piece. It's not that God is just eking out His love to you. Like, you get all of God's love to you because you're His child through faith. And when you and I, we begin, we let lies creep in. Well, God must not be loving me. He's falling down. I don't understand. This doesn't make sense. And what's happening is our heart is getting cold. And we're getting separated from God. You be careful. When those challenges come, your heart is going to go one or two ways. It's going to go harden and away from God in the middle of the hurt and the pain and the grief and the questioning and saying, God, why? This doesn't make sense. Or it's going to draw you to God and say, God, I love you. And your love is even more personal to me in the middle of all of this. And God, I'm going to cling even closer to you. Your faith will either get colder and go away from God, or it will either get stronger and go closer to God. And for sure, God was trying to grow that and build that even more into David's life and the men around him. And so when you are facing those things, make a decision in your heart to find your strength in God, not to be strong yourself. Don't get stuck with the wise. It's okay to be there a little bit, but then move through that and say, God, I'm going to remember you. And remember the things in the Scripture that God has done. Remember the things that God has done in your past. Because oftentimes God will give you, allow you to go through some things today because He's building your faith. And what I've seen, I see it in Scripture, but I see it in my life. And down the road, next year, five years later, whatever, He kind of, you get hit harder. And you're like, well, wait a minute, this hurts even more. But you say, but God took care of me then. I remember, I was wondering what was going to happen. And you remember how God took care of you then, and you remember today. There is a building of life lesson. All school teachers know that, right? You teach the little things, you kind of build on it. You don't jump off into the deep end. It's not a good idea to throw your kid in the deep end and just swim, you know. You kind of ease them and help them along the way. God does that with us. I know it feels like He throws us in the deep end, but He really doesn't. And He builds on those things. So remember who He is and what He's done and think about that. You have to consciously think about that. And then consciously remember, God, thank You that You love me. Read a scripture to remind you of that. What I often do is I'll go, I'll, I'll go through a Psalms, and I'll start thumbing through the Psalms. Contrary to popular belief, no pastor has all 150 Psalms memorized. They don't. In fact, if you ask me, hey, where can I find a good verse on this or that? I might have one in my mind, maybe two at best. But you know what I do? The same thing you do, I Google it. It works, right? Google is like one of the best Bible study friends today. I don't know if you realize that, but you don't have to have even all the best Bible studies today. You just go in and Google Bible verse and Psalms and deal with whatever worry, anxiety, procrastination. Like, and it just it'll pop up all kinds of stuff. And I read until I get something that hits my heart and helps me. 
That's what you do when you're hungry, right? You're hungry. You go eat until you're not hungry. You're struggling emotionally or whatever and trying to get your heart squared away with God. You read, turn into God until that begins to get better. That's what David did. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what he did, but we're talking about the one who wrote all the Psalms. This is the season when David's writing all of these Psalms. God, they're out to get me. They're going to kill me. Why in the world? These are my friends. These are the seasons when he wrote these things, and they're the things that will help you to be strong in the Lord. So turn into Scripture. Turn into prayer. Don't allow your heart to get cold. Recognize the enemy is trying to isolate you and separate you, but recognize that God is bigger and that you're okay. Even if your family seems like they've been captured and you'll never see them again, even if you aren't sure what to do and other people are out to get you and kill you, and even if you've got an enemy that's absolutely hell-bent on putting you to death, you can find hope and encouragement in the middle of that. Well, Sean, are you saying that it's wrong to be sad and to be worried and to grieve and you know, at times to be depressed or whatever? No, I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is, is we ought to always find hope even in the middle of all those difficult things. And we can find that hope if we strengthen ourselves in the Lord, and He will walk with us through those challenging, difficult seasons of life. And He'll walk with us through those challenging why questions. He may not answer why, but in my experience over time, the whys begin to fall away. The answers to the whys, like, it doesn't matter so much because I see that God is taking care and God's working even if it doesn't play out exactly the way it wanted, and I'm not going to be so foolish to say, hey, if you just do this, you can go and get all your, get, get your, I was about to say all your wives back. I hope you only have one at most. <laughs> you can, you know, David goes and he, they recover everybody back. You know, just because you strengthen yourself in the Lord doesn't mean, this is not the little secret recipe to get out of God what you want, but it means that whatever the end game is, that you'll be okay and that God has a plan, and it's always for your good, and always for the better good. And in the middle of it, your faith will grow, you'll be strong, and you'll know what you should do next. Sometimes, and this is where I struggle with, is I want to do the next, and God's like, yeah, there's nothing to do, man. You kind of need to just stay and deal with it. And I don't, I don't like that. I'd rather just, okay, God, you want us to go ta ta tackle those guys? I'm good for it. Let's do it. The hardest thing is, is to get hit, and God says, yeah, there's nothing you really need to do. There's nothing to do. I don't like that. But I find my strength in the Lord and says, God, okay, that's where we are. We're going to walk through it, and we're going to live through it. So in the middle of all of that, there's at least more than one person here today that's in the middle of something big that needed to hear these things. Hopefully yours isn't as big as David's, but it's big, and it's big to you. And where in there do you need to start? You need to make a choice to find your strength in God. Maybe you need to remember what God's done. Well, I don't know if that's going to work. Just trust. If you know the Lord Jesus, and He is Lord and Savior of your soul, there's something incredibly life-transforming by just reading and remembering and seeing the things that God has done in the Bible and people's lives. And then when you take the next step and say, if God did that for them, God does that for me too, because I'm not a second-rate citizen. 
that the same love that God showed them by sending Jesus on the cross, he showed for me. You realize that, right? David doesn't, God doesn't love David any more than he loves you and me as his child. He doesn't love anybody else any more than he loves you and me. Too often we buy a lie and just make ourselves second-class Christians. And so dial into what God, who God is, dial into what God, how God loves you and your relationship to him. And spend some time in that. And then when God says, you need to do something, you do it. And if he doesn't say anything, then don't do it. God's clear enough and powerful enough to open doors and give you directions and make it clear when you need to do something. But when he doesn't, you be content and you listen and say, Lord, I'm ready. And God said, I know, but you just need to sit a while and just lean into me. So wherever in the middle of that you need to be and what God is kind of speaking in your heart, I encourage you to take that next step toward him. And and maybe you've never made that commitment to the Lord Jesus to really surrender your life to Him. Maybe God really is not your God. See, God's not your God just because you say He's your God. It's not the way it works. Go up to somebody's car in the parking lot. Well, that's my car. And they'll be talking. You're like, no, I got the title on that. That's my car. God just isn't your God because you say He is and because you just, you know, you've gone to church or even just done a, a belief in Him. He's only your God when you yield yourself to Him and surrender your life and faith to the Lord Jesus, turning from your sins because that's separated you from God and you trust Jesus, what He did on the cross for you is the only thing to forgive you of your sins. When you've surrendered to Him and He saves your soul, then He is your God. And then you can experience all that we're talking about. And so if you've never really surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus, that's the first step you need this morning is to take that step. And I urge you to, to talk to me, talk to one of our pastors, talk to, to someone else, but take that step of faith. And if you do know the Lord Jesus, then where in this process do you need to be right now? And maybe these are something that you're about to face something tomorrow or the next day. I don't know. But these are things that you can put in the bank. Paul said later on in the book of Ephesians, he said, Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. New Testament says, Put on the full armor of God. The whole armor of God in Ephesians, if you're familiar with that, comes out of this kind of passage. Be strong in Him. That's the way we're to live our life. So my prayer is that God is kind of speaking into your heart. And so I'm going to close in prayer and give you an opportunity to just to respond to him. And we're going to sing our last song this morning. But folks, either sing the song and let God minister into it or be quiet and be talking to God. Whatever you need to do, you've got freedom here. All right. But respond to what God's been talking to you about today. Thank you for listening. Join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at River of Life Church or find us online on Facebook, YouTube, or at riveralbany.com.